in God's purposes as we have this new member services. Okay, I'm going to switch from this to this. Sorry. In God's purposes and timing, that as we have these new member services, the Bible passage is actually John chapter 3, in which is contained perhaps the most well-known verse of Scripture, John 3.16. But before we get there, it's important that we understand this. If I were to ask you, what is one question, a dying question, a burning question upon your heart, what might it be? And then as you reflect on that, what is one question you have? So it says, depends on my circumstances of life at this moment. Depends on who I'm with at the moment. Who is it I can direct the question to? So the big thing hitting the world today in terms of technology is chat GPT. If you know nothing about it, it's an AI thing, an artificial intelligence thing that can do wonders for you. And actually, this sermon is constructed by ChatGPT. I'm um, sorry, no, 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 that's just a joke. And so the academics are just wondering, every essay we look at, everything that's out there, and so one of our leaders, one of our deacons, Google this and say, write a poem about ARPC. Boy, it was a good, good poem. It knew what was happening here in ARPC. It's just frightening. And so, right, Google launched BARD, B-A-R-D, for those who don't know literature, but it's the nickname, as it were, for Shakespeare, perhaps the greatest uh, novelist, the greatest literary genius in the English world that we had to learn being colonized by the English, right? The Bard. So they launched Bard as the competitor to Microsoft's ChatGPT. And so at the launch, they asked Bard the question. And the question was what new discoveries from the James Webb Space Telescope? can I tell my nine-year-old about? Firstly, you and I don't even understand the question. But let me get to the point, right? So the chatbot, Bart, responds with a few bullet points, including the claim that the telescope took the first pictures of exoplanets. Exoplanets, planets outside of the Earth's solar system. NASA, N-A-S-A, responded to that, qualified that and corrected Bart's answer and says that the James Webb Telescope didn't discover the exoplanets. It was the European Southern Observatory Large Telescopes that took the first pictures of the special celestial bodies in 2004. Social media lit up with that correction from NASA in response to this Bart that Google had just launched and quickly pointed out that the company could have checked their facts on the exoplanet claim. How? By googling it. <laughs> <laughs> and that mistake in the answer has, up to this point when I last read, cost Google $100 billion in share value. You ask the right question, you get the wrong answer, it can be costly. If you were now living in Turkey, what would be the one question you might want answered? As you see images, we just see images. And looking at the images may not touch your heart at all. But if you were a father picking up a young child, your baby, who has just died in that quake, what question do you think you might ask? With all of your being, and pleading for an answer. Why has this happened, O oh God? If you are a child in school, primary school, secondary school, 
and this is a growing phenomenon here in Singapore and around the world, and your child at primary three, your child at sec one is increasingly teased, marginalized, bullied, unfriended. What do you think your child, your son or your daughter, is the number one question? Why has he made me so unpopular? Why has he made me so, so short, so tall, so skinny, so slow in comparison to others that I should be targeted by my friends day after day? That waking up to go to school every morning is a nightmare. Sleeping every night is a nightmare as I think of the prospect of walking into school. If you come from a dysfunctional home, a broken home, and all our homes are dysfunctional to a certain degree, you may ask if you come from a home where your parents divorce, why did my parents break up? You may not ask that as you grow older to become a teenager, why on earth did they fall in love in the first place? Make their vows here and then make their vows in a church setting and then break up so painfully. When I listen to mum, I want to side with her. When I listen to dad, I want to side with him. I know their own stories, but I just want to love them together. And so we do have questions. It's whether you pause long enough, whether you're brave enough to pause, to reflect on the one question that you want an answer for in life. John 3 records Nicodemus' number one question. And his number one question has to do with him. No, it has to do with us. Every single one seated here, every single one tuning into this, you would need an answer to this. And the answer and the question is, how do I, do I become born again? And so, very quickly, we plunge into the passage, and I'll try my best to finish this as, as, as succinctly and faithfully as possible. Then we'll probably preach and write more fully about this, right? So we go on. Oh, let me do the next thing. So the Bible passage. The outline for this portion is Jesus witnesses to Nicodemus. It's the first portion, and that's why we're spending my time in. And then the second portion is John the Baptist witness to Jesus. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus, how, when, by night, and said to him, Rabbi, we know that they are teacher from God, for no one can do the signs that you do unless God is with him. The first thing to note is the link. When you read the Bible, in the original, there are no chapter divisions, is to see the word links. So in chapter 2, verse 23, many believe in Jesus because of, because of the signs he was performing. But Jesus literally, the Greek is, the two words are the same, he did not entrust himself to them, he did not believe in them, because their faith was a fickle faith. But this is the word I want you to pick up. He knew that all men, the man is not there, it's inferred, he did not need men's testimony about men, for he knew all men. Then in chapter 3 it begins, there was a man of the Pharisees. So what's the importance of the link word? Man, man, man. In that sense, right? In that sense, Nicodemus is representative of men. He's representative of the Jews, the leaders of Israel. He's representative, more importantly, of the science-based, fickle faith that Jesus didn't trust in them. He should have been so happy as I preached this word, so many believe, but he knew it was now shallow. It was superficial, it was self-interested faith. 
As long as they see miraculous signs, maybe the miracles might work for me. You see where the focus is? As long as I see the signs which are miracles, maybe they might work for me. Maybe they might work for me. Yet, as we say this, though he's representative of men, he is a unique distinctive. He is a Pharisee, the most religious, as it were, among the Jews. He's, he belongs to the Sanhedrin. He's in the highest ruling body. He's in the cabinet. The highest ruling body is not political in Israel. The highest ruling body in Israel was religious. He was part of the Sanhedrin. And Jesus says, you are a teacher of Israel. So three designations of him. He is not just an average Israelite. He is a distinctive one. He went to the Harvard, the Oxford, the Cambridges of Israel of that time. He's a graduate of theology, right? And so, what's important about this? But he came in the dark. And why the dark? Right? You walk out in a modern day world, and though it's at night, it's lighted by lights. It's all artificial. 2,000 years ago, 100 years ago, before we discovered this artificial lighting, you don't go out at night. The night is dangerous. The night is very dangerous. You go out with a lamb, and the night is full of dangers from robbers and thieves and all sorts of dangers out there. You will never let your wife, your mother, your sister go out at night. He came secretly, and more importantly, the duck is a symbol of spiritual blindness. Stumbling like a blind guide. And a blind guide of Israel, he's a top uh, thinker, top theologian. He's blind about who Jesus really is and what Jesus has really come to do. He can't figure Jesus out. And that's the most important question you have to sort out. Who is Jesus and what has he come to do? And so in one commentator, Paul Barnett, he says, there have come rabbis in Israel's history. In the most recent history before Jesus turned up, there was a rabbi, Honi, who brought rain to end a drought. Have you experienced a drought here in Singapore, in Malaysia, in Southeast Asia? We get lots of rain. But in some places when you experience drought, you go to Australia, you go to Canada, you go to different parts, and when there's a drought, the farmers who take high loans and get into high debts, when there's a drought and they can't see rain in the foreseeable future, a high proportion of them put a gun here and kill themselves. For a rabbi to be able to pray for rain and it comes to end a drought, that's, that's mighty. And there's Rabbi Han Hanina Bendosa who survived while praying and survived a snake bite. Is Jesus in the same league? And John, will, the writer, will go on to say, Jesus is not in the same league. Jesus answered him, Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born again when he's old? Right? Can you enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. If I ask you, what is the emphasis in the first few verses? And you say, A, the repeated words for emphasis are truly, truly. Does that mean that Jesus up to this point wasn't saying things truly? Now he say, now truly, truly, I say to you. No, this is emphasis. The double, truly, truly, verily, verily is the old English. If you haven't listened by now, listen to this. That's what Jesus is saying. And we in Singapore, we don't speak English, we speak Singlish. In Singlish, we like to say, Come, come, can, can, go, go. Everything is double. Do you realize that? 
Never mind, it's okay. So the Bible basis for this is truly, truly. Right? And so this is the emphasis. And it's all about the kingdom of God. The point is about the kingdom of God. And he said, do not marvel that I said to you. And at this point, the you is plural. Because in English, when I say you, I, you can't work out whether you mean me singularly or you mean us, which is both you, you, right? But the Greek distinguishes, and so you must be born again. You do not receive our testimony. In other words, Nicodemus represents his whole Jewish nation in their spiritual blindness and their spiritual stubbornness that God has ultimately sent his son and they are blind to his identity and blind to his mission. And so this fulfills what was said in the prologue. He came into the world and then he came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But to all who receive him, he gave them the right to become children of God. And why is this so important? Because for the Jews, it's this. Kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God, entry, passport to kingdom of God, born Jew, enter. Born Israelite, enter. You plead Abraham as your ancestor, you plead Moses, you plead David, you plead all the things that belongs to Israel, and you enter. And Jesus says, you no longer plead that. You never could have pleaded that. You plead the grace of God. You plead the mercy of God. You plead the steadfast love of the, of the Lord that has finally given you me, the Word, become flesh. And so you're not born again by osmosis. You're not born again by association. You're not born again by race, which race is a very important thing. As you listen to the testimonies of brothers and sisters in Christ, a significant proportion of them came from Christian homes. And there's a saying out there, and it's true, that God has no grandchildren. Each one of us, at somewhere along the line, must make, with increasing understanding of Jesus, a personal commitment to confess our sin, to repent, and to believe in Him as my Saviour and the words of Brennan, my liberator. He liberated me from a life of self, of self-excellence and self-achievement and got more and more burdensome trying to live to the expectations of the world, trying to look good. But it is God who has given us Jesus. And so it's important that we get this right. No one has ascended into heaven except Him who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in Him may have eternal life. And so, this is the first introduction to the Son of Man in John's Gospel. And this is the first hint, the Son of Man lifted up. What does he mean by lifted up? And so, if you belong to our small groups called discipleship groups, which we highly encourage you to join if you're a newcomer to us, but you join, don't join a discipleship group directly, join Discovering Christianity, join just for newcomers, and then graduate into a discipleship group. If you're in there, we took you to a Bible passage to understand this. And the Bible passage is Numbers 21, Moses and the snake. Can I get you to read this together with me? Together. From Mount Hall.
Thank you so much for that. Allow me to read this. And the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned. Why? Because you have spoken against the Lord and against you as God's servant. Pray to the Lord that he will take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and everyone who is bitten when he sees it shall live. And so Moses made a bronze serpent, set it on a pole, and if a serpent bit anyone, he will look at the bronze serpent and live. Firstly, problem. Secondly, solution. Problem is a very serious business to do what? It's a very serious business to be impatient about God. Do not keep asking God, what's next? What's next? Keep working out in your life. What does it mean to trust you, not what's next? When we are impatient with God, we usually get impatient with God's leaders. And that is the history of Israel. And so are you impatient for something in your life? The seriousness of impatience will lead you, firstly, to grumbling and distrust. And Israel went into that cycle again and again. We trust God and He will show us the next step. He will never show us the whole journey. He gives you enough light for the next step, never the whole journey. If He showed you the whole journey, you might not want to go. He will show you the next step. And so, application for us, we of course knew that four schools will be set up in Tengah. We of course knew that ACS Primary was set up there. And so we went. Of course we didn't. We just went. When we first got that land, I said, where is this piece of land? We had to go out there and say, my goodness, what is there to do here? Then I looked two streets down the road. Oh, that's the new estate there. Then I went to Topayo and saw the full plan and said, we are there, just two streets away from Tengah. What's there? I do not know what's there. Now we know what's there. From a backwater BTO that people didn't want, now it's going to go up. All who bought at Tengah, praise God. All who are coming to Tengah, praise God. Instead of visual, he will never show you the full picture. He'll only show you what's happening. And we're not going there because of ACS. We are going there because God gave us the land. Amen? It's very important to be the seriousness of impatience, right? To trust in God. And so you depend on your own wisdom. You look, you let us out here to die. No water, no food. You always let us out here to die. What an accusation to make against God. You let us out here to die, which means you had bad will. You're malevolent, not benevolent. You're not good-hearted. You're mean-hearted. It's a serious business to accuse God of being mean-hearted. And God says, I will yet forgive you. You look to Moses. You don't grumble against him. He makes a serpent. You look at the serpent, which means the only way to be saved is to trust in how God will save you. You cannot save yourself. In the same way, on a macro and eternal scale, Jesus comes and he'll be lifted up. How? He'll be lifted up at the cross. He'll be holed up on the cross and you look at him, a man dying, bleeding helplessly on the cross is the saviour of my life. Everything within you wants to turn your eyes away from Jesus. But if you listen carefully, he's the only one who can save you. And so in... Because in view of time, I have to short-circuit this right to the end. And so, Jesus, Son of Man, come from heaven. The Son of Man must be lifted up. Those who believe in Him will have eternal life. The snapshot of that was Moses in Numbers 21. So to enter the kingdom is to have eternal life. The two things are used interchangeably. They are 
they are synonymous. And it's all about replacement. Water, purification replaced by Jesus. Corrupt temple replaced by Jesus, the true temple in chapter 2. Jewish birthright replaced by true birthright by believing in Jesus. Hold up, lifted up for us. And chapter 4 next week, Jacob's well replaced by Jesus' living waters. Jesus has come to redeem us. And we must finish with this. God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him so loved. The world is so dark. And so it begins in chapter 1. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Whatever you do not know about the world, John's use of the word world is negative. It's a world that lives in pride, a world that lives in rebellion, a world that forgets and forsakes God, a world that tries to redeem itself. And Israel took on the world by taking on idols instead of believing in God. So God so loved the world, and so is the magnitude of His love, the size, the bigness of His love that overcomes the depth and darkness of our rebellion in our lives. And so you've got to comprehend that, and may I say to you, can you put God so, put your name there, God so loved me that He gave His only Son. You must personalise the love of God to yourself. I think it was Jody who said, right? Couldn't feel God, the joy of God. But now God has entered into her heart and she feels that joy. And so God, the Son of God is sent into the world. The light of God has come into the world in this portion. And so to understand this, the reason is for God so loved the world. If you ever ask why did Jesus come, it's because God so loved the world. This is the reason the consequence, he gave his only son. The result, the accomplishment, whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And somebody said, right? Our problem is not dying for someone, but finding someone worth dying for. Isn't that true? You think God looked from heaven and found you and me worth dying for? No. He didn't find you worth dying for. He looked at his son, and in him and through him, you are made the children of God. And so, it's very important that we understand this. Singaporean of the year this year is a man called Anson Ng. You read about him? And Anson Ng, 55 years old, second-hand car dealer, right? He's known for what? He's just known for... People call him if they meet anyone, strangers out there, who cannot afford medical expenses or their funeral rights. You know what it's like when you cannot afford to pay for your own funeral? And over the last 30 over years, me together with the leaders, we have had those encounters. And every time we find a family that cannot pay for their funeral, we will step forward. Did we budget for this? Yes. Under a fund called Agape Fund. And what does Agape mean? It's called Love Fund. So he's voted Singaporean of the Year. Last year, Singaporean of the Year was Sabi, uh, Sati Balan, right? If I get that. And he gave part of his liver because he heard of a couple, total strangers to him, whose one-year-old daughter needed a liver. And so, this is, as you were, giving to people who are deserving, but God gives to us who are undeserving. And who does He give? A part of Himself? No, He gives His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Can you articulate it for yourself? 
Can you internalize it for yourself that God so loves you that He gave His Son? You and me are totally undeserving of this. And so, closing lessons. Jesus is Son of Man. He's also Son of God. He's sent into the world. And if you believe in Him, you are saved even now. But even now, when Jesus spoke this to Nicodemus, if you and the Jews reject me, you already stand condemned. And the Jews believe that all that actually belongs to the end when it comes. Jesus pulls the future to the present. You have to make the decision now. And so if there's one question God will ask you, it is this. If Jesus so loves us, God so loves us, that He sent Jesus as Son of God to love you, die for you, stand for you, so that you will not face God's wrath and be condemned. Why are you delaying? Why are you postponing? You do not like it when you phone somewhere for a service, right? And you're put on an automated machine. How many of you, when you get that automated reply, huh, say, I love listening to this voice. Please hold, please hold, as we put you on something. You're asking for help and please hold, please hold. Please don't put God on hold. And in Nicodemus' pilgrimage, his journey, he went in the dark of the night. By the end of the book, when Jesus is crucified, Nicodemus is there with Joseph Arimathea, and he's no more a closet believer. He goes and asks the Roman leader for what? For the body of Jesus. He is now full declaration, I'm not ashamed of this man. This man is the Son of God. This man that I encountered. And you can imagine him looking at the bruised and battered body of Jesus. His whole being, in John chapter 3, his encounter at night may be cognitive. But by the end, when he takes the body of Jesus down, I hazard a guess, it won't be knowledge, oh, he's the Son of God. You think it would be like that? He would know God so loved the world. His whole being would be involved. I don't care what they do to me in the Sanhedrin. I don't care what people think of me. I know he has come to save me. True salvation is never cognitive. You do not think yourself into the kingdom. You accept this. It has come from beyond you and your whole being is involved. So never get used to delaying Jesus. Never get used to diminishing Jesus. I have a moment of lust. I have a moment of anger. I have a moment of whatever moments you have, an unforgiveness, a moment of insecurity, a moment of greed, a moment... In that moment, you need Jesus. You cannot face your anger without Jesus. You cannot face your lust without Jesus. You cannot face your insecurity without Jesus. You cannot face your unforgiveness without Jesus. But you've gotten used to a pattern of life. You face all those things and you never think of bringing Jesus in. You have diminished Him. You need, desperately need Jesus. Amen? And so why do we reject and hate Jesus so much when He's given you everything? So I had my quiet times in different places. I went, I was in Marina Bay Sands, I was just there early in the morning. I read John 3 in preparation again and again. Then I read the commentary. And so God so loved the world, He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him, I went to have my breakfast, I came back. By evening, somebody called, uh, messaged me, said, can I come and see you? Can I come and see you? And basically, the person came to see me, and basically, I'm so lost in life, I'm so troubled in life. I don't know how to pray, I don't know how to, how to call on God, which God could I call. Did I plan that? 
that early in the morning I'll have my quiet time. It's about God so loving the world, by evening God would send someone to look for me to find salvation, not in me, but through me. There are a lot of lost people in this world, and you need the spiritual eyes to see that no matter how high up, we are all low down in our sin and our spirits. And so let us believe in this, that Jesus is God's answer. The number one question that you have to answer is, why delay? Why dismiss? And why reject and hate Jesus so much? He loves you. Give your life to Him, lock, stock and barrel. Let's stand, pray together, give glory to God. Let's sing our closing song together.